gather around as we spill the tea on cybersecurity. We're talking about the topic in a way that everyone can understand. I'm your host, Jarrah Rowe, giving you just what you need. This is the Tea on Cybersecurity, a podcast from Trava. Welcome to the compliance segment of this season of the Tea on Cybersecurity. Over the next several episodes, we are really going to be diving into compliance and the different components that it takes to become certified. But on this episode, we are trying to clarify some of those crazy buzzwords. Come along with me to learn more about the difference between security, privacy, and compliance, as well as risks and controls and everything in between. But as we know, I'm not the expert, but I have two of my coworkers here that are with me. I would love to welcome Marie and Christina. Hello, ladies. How's it going? Always good when we get to see you. Of course. (laughs) I love it. It feels so special. Since we're officially in a new season, we may have some new listeners. If they are not familiar with the two of you, I would love for you to just give a rundown of who you are and what you do. So let's go ahead and start with Christina. Hi, my name is Christina Anakino. I'm the cybersecurity analyst here at Trava. I do a lot of compliance work uh, alongside Marie for our small to medium-sized companies uh, to help them alongside that process. Definitely looking forward to discussing more compliance with everyone today. Marie, go ahead. I'm Marie Joseph. I'm a senior security solutions engineer here at Trava, and I also help with compliance engagement and helping companies start their security posture or make it better for their compliance journey. I have a whole list of questions here, but before I really dive in, I would love for you to kick it off. Marie, I'll ask you first, what are terms that you find that people don't really understand? Sometimes I feel like I talk to people and they just don't even know what cybersecurity means in general. I feel like that's something I explain to people a lot. And then also in general, just all the acronyms that there are in the security realm. There's acronyms in every sort of industry, but I think the security ones get very confusing to a lot of people because they can be pretty long. Christina, I have that same question for you. So what are those terms that you find that people really don't understand? I agree with Marie 100%. I am mentioning a couple that we're going to be actually getting into today. Regulations versus frameworks. Definitely that's a big one. And security versus privacy. Just getting those ironed out. We'll be discussing those comparisons today. Marie, these are terms that you and I have definitely talked about in previous seasons, but honestly, I still get a little confused about them. What is the difference between security and privacy first? Let's start with those two. Security and privacy, both very different in the ways you treat them, also pretty different, but they have some overlaps. Security, this is really the protection of your like web application, your data. It can also be like physical security too, depending on where your business is, if you're not remote. And this can be include like people, processes, and technology. And then there's also privacy that you wanted me to touch on. This includes some of the security mechanisms that a company has in place to protect your data, but it also tracks more closely like what data you're tracking. And a lot of times this is going to be a lot of your personal information. So this is more directed towards people Usually, are you protecting the personal identifiable information and are you anonymizing it in any way just to make sure that people aren't going to steal your identity out there? Let's add in compliance with that. How do those all differ? Compliance 
really wraps them together in a way. There's a lot of certifications out there and attestations you can get that focus on security and privacy. They're both very big right now. A lot of businesses need both sort of certifications or compliance areas to make sure that they're focusing on both security and privacy and to prove to their customers that they're focusing on it. So having a third party focus on compliance for a company is proving that you do have all these mechanisms in place and they're working properly to protect someone's data, basically. Christina, over to you. What are some challenges in balancing security, privacy, and compliance? An excess amount of anything is normally never really a good thing. And this definitely goes to stand for security, privacy, and compliance. So it can sometimes be difficult to provide employees with devices, services, and software required for day-to-day business operation, while also administering that proper access without elevated uh, restriction when following compliance requirements. So to some people, compliance programs may just mean clicking a box and not really following up with the framework's policies and controls. And therefore, this can really open the door for some employees to potentially not implement best practices, which can lead to, number one, privacy concerns where personally identifiable information or PII can be stolen. And number two, in extreme scenarios where security concerns, where there's a mass uh, data breach, it's hard to have privacy without security and to have effective security that requires strong protection of PII. So security and privacy and compliance really must go hand in hand. If one is prioritized over the other, it can have an adverse effect. For instance, if you're putting precedence on privacy, securing all personal data without implementing proper safeguards to ensure it isn't compromised, that would translate to a lack of security, which could ultimately cause a larger risk. It can be important to just know some of the methods that can be taken in order to ensure that these three are equally addressed. So number one, you can just uh, go through your data landscape. So really just clarify and identify the data that you have, where it's coming from, and how it's stored and processed. You can also establish security requirements such as MFA and encryption, and also protect your data traffic through the use of VPNs on public Wi-Fi and then just utilizing firewalls as well. You mentioned MFA. I feel like this is like an ongoing thing now throughout the podcast where it's mentioned every episode. I love it. It's just always a bell goes off in my head anytime I hear it now. Christina, you also mentioned the word control, which leads me to my next question for you. What is the difference between a risk and a control? So I'm going to start with risk. So risks are considered threats to an organization's data, reputation, and finances where laws and regulations are violated. And controls are basically what's used to protect against these risks. So one single control can address multiple security and data protection requirements. They're really used to meet unique objectives in order to mitigate threats, vulnerabilities, and risks. So generally, within compliance tools, controls are considered tasks that provide logic behind frameworks and framework requirements. So basically, a control is put in place to mitigate a risk to an acceptable level. Some things to consider, there's such thing as establishing tolerance within your company, uh, which sets a parameter between the highest and lowest risk. So it's easy to prioritize what has a larger business impact. And then there's also risk capacity, which is the risk level a company can withstand before an incident becomes a catastrophe. So it's important to be aware of these uh, best ways to go about handling risk and uh, utilizing controls as well. Marie, the next set of questions go to you. Christina just mentioned a catastrophe, which none of us want to happen. But what is the difference between a breach and an incident, which can become a catastrophe? Both are different. I think these are two terms that a lot of people get confused with, too. A breach, this really means that a threat actor has entered an area that might have customer data or 
other types of data that could lead to an incident. And this has not yet been exposed, but someone has gotten into an area that they should not be in technically. So then that leads to a possible incident where an incident is this is when the data has actually been exposed, touched, and possibly compromised by a threat actor. And this is usually when it becomes a bad case where the catastrophe comes in, has to be documented, have like legal response, and then also be given to a customer, letting them know, like letting them be noticed. Let me make sure I understood that. A breach is just when one of the bad guys has entered in where they're not supposed to be, but nothing has necessarily happened. And then the incident is when something actually happens that's not good. Speaking of the incident, I've learned a little bit lately about incident response plans. What is that? And then what do they entail? Plans in general are very, they're great to have. Incident response plans help you be prepared for a cyber attack before it happens. So it's always good to have these created as soon as you can. This allows your team to know what to do in these cases, and it allows them to be calmer during the time of an incident, especially if you're doing tabletops and having it all documented and going through it before the bad things actually happen. Having these plans also proves to your customers and prospects that you take security seriously. Like I mentioned before, like doing the tests on at an annual basis proves to companies that they know what they're doing and it proves to your own internal team that their roles, they know what they're supposed to be doing and it tells you that they're taking your data seriously. Otherwise, people could be running around like the buildings on fire. Instant response plans can be used also to provide an explicit representation of what role each employee on the security team should be taking in order to protect customer and company data. If you already have that lined out and you know who needs to do what, it can be very helpful in the event of an actual incident occurring. Christina get to sit down in a future episode and talk more in depth about tabletops and incident response plans. And I can't wait to learn more about those. Christina, back to you. What is the difference between data security and data protection? They are two separate entities. However, they can overlap and are a little bit similar, but I'm just going to go through describing each of them. So data security, it's the applying of protective measures against unauthorized access. This will include the fortification from physical security on the hardware to access controls and software applications. It's going to become more and more complex or becomes more and more complex to instill data security with the amount of the volume of data communication and the intricacies of network infrastructure that involve IoT devices today. And we're going to be talking about IoT devices a little bit later. But when correctly practiced, this will prevent not only malicious activity, but also insider threats and human error. And then moving on to data protection, this is the act of safeguarding sensitive and personal data from corruption, compromise, loss, and really protecting an employee's rights. So this is more of a focus on data backup and recovery in order to restore the data back to its functional state. It's basically an assurance that the data will be accessible to authorized users. What are some of the most common data protection regulations? I'm just going to highlight a couple and explain their acronyms. So I'm starting off with GDPR, so General Data Protection Regulation. So this is going to apply to data processors, organizations that have relationships with data subjects and data processors. CCPA, that's California Consumer Privacy Act. This applies to business, regardless of the physical location that engages in commerce with or stores personal information of a California resident. And then HIP Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. This is going to be relevant if you manage devices that access, store, 
or transmit protected health information. I'll talk about one more, PETA, Personal Information Protection and Electronic Documents Act. That one's a mouthful, I know. This is a Canadian privacy regulation, which would then be applicable if dealing with data coming from Canada. So these are the ones that we're seeing most frequently and most often in compliance. And definitely, I do want to highlight, though, so these are considered regulations because they are government-enforced set of security. That really is what establishes them to be regulations. And then just some ways to maintain these regulations, you can go through security audits, incident recovery plans, data retention deletion policies, implementing those as well. And those are just a few of how you can maintain these regulations. I definitely typically see those acronyms you just went over mixed in with like frameworks and standards, things again that don't necessarily make sense to me. What are cybersecurity frameworks and standards? Frameworks are the established processes that are going to clearly define policies and procedures to manage security controls. So they're really going to consist of standards, guidelines, best practices to manage risk and strengthen a company's overall security posture. And then moving forward to standards. So they're really the detailed technical requirements where compliance is going to be mandatory, especially when going through the certification process. Overall, you can think about it like frameworks are providing the overview of what's required for compliance and or certifications, while standards are the specific criteria of what actions that need to be taken by employees, depending on their role. All right, Marie, back to you. This is something that I've just seen a lot lately, and it's another acronym that I never knew too much about. So what is RBAC and how does it relate in the context of cybersecurity? This is going to be a very common one, especially if you're touching any of the company data typically and organizing it. RBAC stands for Role-Based Access Control. And there's also another common one that's ABAC, so A-B-A-C, and that's attribute-based access control. These are just different ways to give access to data within your company. And I think a better way to start is just what is access control, just because these are different types of access controls. This really is monitoring and organizing the way that individuals have access to data in your company, and it's very crucial. Auditors are going to look at it a lot, and you're going to be asked a lot about it in security questionnaires too, just to understand how you're organizing everything within the company. And this brings both security and privacy of data into scope. Not everyone needs access to everything, so this is why it's so important. And in fact, no one should really be the keeper of all data. No one should be having access to all of it. So RBAC is role-based. So that gives you access to certain areas of a web application or in your cloud or certain files based on someone's roles within the company. The attribute-based access control ABAC, that would give certain areas and files by a case-by-case basis to individuals and not necessarily their job title or role within the company. And that's how they're different, but it's just all about access and privileges within the company. This next question I have, again, I'm a little embarrassed because I end up writing about it a lot in content and don't really fully understand like what it means, which is IoT. And now I understand that it stands for Internet of Things. But what does that mean? Christina, that's for you. Yeah, you should not be embarrassed at all. It's a all-encompassing term that literally includes the Internet of Things. Really, it's going to translate to objects that are embedded with technology, such as sensors or software that's going to allow for them to send and receive data with other devices and systems over the internet. Basically, having the ability to connect to the internet. Now, everyday objects can be connected to the internet, going from smart refrigerators to watches to 
ring doorbells and even Raybounds are coming out with glasses that can as well connect to the internet. That just proves that everything is seriously connected nowadays. And then that we all work remote and typically from home. All of those things can have access. Christina, next question goes to you as well. What does maintaining asset inventories mean in cybersecurity and why is it important? Asset inventories are basically logs of company resources where asset data is going to be stored in an efficient and cost-effective manner. So the types of assets, this can include servers, laptops, and endpoint devices as well, and cloud environments too. Asset inventories are going to be used for security audits. Anything that's internet-facing really should be included within this inventory. Asset inventories are important because they really can help with tracking if there's any outdated or misconfigured systems for you to be aware of that and implement patches uh, to those and fixes as well. Basically, it can be used to keep track of everything that can be accessed through the internet. One thing I would also know is that they're just really important because you cannot protect what you do not have. So that's why we emphasize focusing on those to begin with when focusing on security. Totally makes sense. Okay, Marie, this next question goes to you. What is meant by the term cyber hygiene? Again, which is something I end up writing a lot about, but I don't have a full understanding of what that actually means. Cyber hygiene is similar to as if you're talking about your own hygiene. So what are the things you're doing to keep yourself healthy and protect yourself from the worst like sickness? From a cyber point, it's talking about what are the tools, processes, policies, and other mechanisms you're putting into place to maintain a strong security posture. A little can go a long way, but by doing so and prioritizing your health, like cybersecurity health, that will altogether help your cybersecurity posture. Just like you would with your own health, it's good to do checkups. So doing certain assessments on an annual or other type of cadence is really good. That's why there's best practices to follow that help you do this. And it is a fundamental aspect because it gets you on the right track of prioritizing the health and encourages you to constantly improve your health within your company. What really it's talking about, like the security health within your company. It's very similar to your own self. It's super important and totally makes sense. Before I let you go first, I have learned so much. We've clarified a lot of these terms that I see a lot and I hope the listeners have a better understanding as well. But Marie, I'll start with you first. What else would you like our listeners to know about cybersecurity and or compliance? I think if I were to leave one thing from this episode, it's that security and compliance are different, which I know I've touched on before. And just because you are compliant with the framework, it does not mean you are completely secure. So be sure to take security seriously and go above and beyond the best practices to have a good cyber hygiene and an even better security posture than your competitors. This helps you limit your attack surface and will also help those ever snooping threat actors. Mm -hmm. Christina, what about you? I just want to highlight for our listeners currently, if you're going through a certification or just going through any compliance journey that you're on right now, Trava is here to help. Trava is comprised of a bunch of professionals that are very familiar with compliance. Again, anyone out there that is in need of some compliance help and assurance, we're here for you. Trava is definitely here for you. Thank you to so much for walking me through all of these crazy buzzwords. Super helpful. And I hope the listeners got as much out of this conversation as I did. Now that we've spilled the tea, it's time to go over the receipts. Marie and Christina spilled so much tea when it comes to these buzzwords and other crazy things in cybersecurity that the average person like myself have a hard time understanding. 
they gave so much information during this episode, but of course I can't recap it all, but I have a couple of things that really stood out to me. Receipt number one is Marie actually talked about a lot of acronyms and things like that, which Christina mentioned PII several times, which she clarified, but PII stands for personally identifiable information. When you see PII come up in cybersecurity and compliance, now you know what it means. Another thing that I really got clarified was the difference between a breach and an incident, which most people typically see those as the same thing. But a breach is simply like the bad guy entering into a system in an area that they are not supposed to be in, but nothing necessarily happened. They didn't steal any data or anything like that. But an incident is when that bad guy then disrupts the system, steals data, wants ransom, all of those fun, not so fun things. Christina also talked about regulations and regulations are regulated frameworks that are enforced by the government. Speaking of frameworks, we also learned the difference between frameworks versus standards. Frameworks are general overviews and standards are specific criteria that need to be met. And the last receipt I have from this episode is cyber hygiene. Marie talked about it's similar to just like your personal hygiene. You want to do what you need to do to stay healthy and things of those sorts. So you want to implement MFA and other things that allow for your data and everything to be secure, which just makes your cybersecurity posture better. So we all want to have good cyber hygiene. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Tea on Cybersecurity as we get more into compliance and its components. And that's the Tea on Cybersecurity. If you like what you listen to, please leave a review. If you need anything else from me, head on over to Trava Security. Follow wherever you get your podcasts.